0: Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Clayman Property Management Company has the apartment you will be able to call home with over 1,600 apartment units available in central Illinois. Visit them today at MidwestShelters.com or visit them on Facebook. We are made to connect to one another through stories, and our guest today has a story unlike one I've ever heard before. Nora Burungi is my guest today, and she's going to share about tragedy that struck during her childhood and then how God ultimately redeemed her story by drawing her closer to himself. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Nora. Thank you so much, Laura. Will you just start us off by telling us about your personal journey from desperation to hope?
1: All right. Thank you so much. I'm glad to do that. My name is Nora Birungi. I'm from Uganda. I come from a family of six children and I'm the sixth child. My mother is Ugandan, and my father was a Randivs. I was born at a time when the country was at the height of civil conflict, where so many families suffered the social economic consequences. And to the urban poor, like my family living in the city, the consequences were dire. My mother was a hairdresser at one of her friend's salons, and her job highly depended on how safe the city was. At that time, the income from her job was very little and often not enough. On the other hand, my father, the great man, I call him the great man, was a soldier and he served in the Rwandan army. Because of the nature of his job, he only made occasional trips. And I remember as a child, all his trips were so memorable to all of us. He was a great supporter a great provider, and we highly depended on him. As time went by, his support dwindled and the trip stopped, and that was because of the civil conflict in Rwanda that led to the 1994 genocide. One fateful day in 1994, we received the saddest news that changed and turned around our lives. We received the news that my father and his entire family had been killed in the genocide. This was very hard because life took a terrible turn on us. Because of my father's death, we all dropped out of school because my mother could not afford taking all of us to school. And I remember my brothers at a very young age started serving at building sites. And as a child, I remained home as my peers went to school, which deprived me of my self-esteem and self-worth. I stopped to dream. I thought life was meaningless to me. And I can't tell you how many times we got kicked out of the house because of lack of house rent. So the fear of growing up illiterate and homeless were the most terrifying things that a child can ever go through in life. For us at home, it was a hand-to-mouth. And that was on our lucky days. But there are so many times that passed by without food at all in the house. And I remember one day, I was so hungry because the previous night we had not had a meal. And uh, I woke up so hungry and I went to my mother's workplace. And when I went there, I found her busy working on her customer. And I told her, Mom, I'm hungry. My mom ignored me like she didn't hear me. And so the lady asked her, you mean you didn't hear her say she's hungry? That's when my mom dropped everything she was doing, and she started crying. I saw pain in my mother's eyes. She wished she could give me something to eat, but she didn't have it, and that broke my heart. The lady felt concerned, and she she was concerned that, first of all, I was not in school, and that other kids were in school but also got concerned that we were going through such a situation at home. So she directed us to one of the local churches in my community, that's Nakawa Baptist Church. And she told my mom that that church was in partnership with Compassion and they were registering children just like me. And she asked us if we could go there. We, I mean, we ran to that church like somebody was chasing us. The first thing I saw when we reached at this church was a pan of porridge. And for me, I always tell people that this is where my turning point was. The porridge itself that I saw was like a miracle to me. So as I'm standing there looking at this pan of porridge, a lady with a great smile comes talking to me and asking me, would you please like to have a cup of porridge? How did they know I was hungry? So when that lady asked me, I don't know, of course, I'd like to have a cup of porridge. I went and got my cup of porridge. And let me tell you, this was the best meal I ever had in my life. This porridge was made out of corn, but it had milk. The milk in that porridge made it so special. Because at that time, my family was so poor that we could not even afford a quarter cup of milk. So for me, I grew up knowing that only rich kids took milk. And for me to take milk in the porridge actually made me feel like one of the rich kids. And I remember at that point, I fell in love with the word compassion, even though I didn't know what it really meant. After taking my precious cup of porridge, I went into a line that changed my life. I got registered into compassion. And after a few months, they called me and they told me that I was enrolled and I was supposed to go start going to the project. They enrolled, enrolled me back into school and all my scholastic materials were paid a hundred percent. I never ever got out of school until I graduated with a degree and that was because of compassion. And then after a few months of being registered into the project, I received the greatest news that any child desires to hear. I received the news that I got sponsors, and that was Jeff and Bonnie Maury. My sponsors love me so much, and I always say that these are the best people that God ever brought in my life. My sponsors wrote to me letters every month, and I remember three things never missed in their letters. My sponsors always told me, Nora, we love you. We believe in you and you're going to make it. Three things kept me going because, first of all, I never had an opportunity hearing somebody tell me they loved me. So for me to hear it from them was so special. And to also know that somebody out there believed in me, even though she didn't actually know me, but she loved and and believed in me, that was so special. And it made me read so hard because I never wanted to disappoint them. And also to hear them say that I could make it in life, that was so special. So because of that, I became like a happy child. I knew actually I called them my other parents. They became parents to me. Also being in compassion, being registered in compassion, I got an opportunity to have mentors and to look up to people of influence, like the pastor's wife. I admired to always be like her. Growing up in Islam with no elders to look up to, with no people to really be there to advise you and show you the right path, compassion staff played that big role in my life, and I'll forever be grateful to them. Yeah,
0: that's amazing and humbling to hear your story. And after such a tragic part of your life, that. God then saw fit to use compassion as a turning point. But I have a few follow-up questions. So at this point, when your mother met that lady in the salon, how old were you?
1: I was not yet 10, but in that December of that year, because I remember we met her in September of 1994, I was just going to turn 10 years in December when she told my mom about compassion.
0: So you were only nine years old, going on 10. Up until that point, had you ever heard the good news of Jesus Christ, or had you ever stepped foot in a church before?
1: No. Actually, that's a very good question. No. Because we lived in a slum. And um, my mother was a half-life. She was trying to make all ends meet here and there. And then my brother's also trying to figure out how life will be and all that. There was nobody to encourage me to go to church. And I didn't know anything about Jesus Christ at that point. No.
0: And so then how did your story unfold? When did you meet him and then come to surrender your life to him? Oh, yeah.
1: Of course, when I started going to the Compassion Project, that's where I met Jesus Christ from, because we had a very great time at the project. We always had great worship. We had the pastor preach to us and tell us all the good news about Jesus Christ. But at that time, I was just enjoying it, and I didn't really know what it really meant to me. Until one time when I was going through a hard time of unforgiveness. Because of what I had gone through and also how my father had been killed with his entire family, it left unanswered questions in me as a child. And I always asked why. Why did they kill them the way they killed them? And I kept asking myself and always telling myself that I will never forgive the people who killed my father and my grandparents and the people I loved so much. So I had that anger in me of unforgiveness. I I had it in me and I felt like I would never, ever forgive. But one time we had a conference and this is the greatest thing that compassion also does. And I really thank it for that. They always held conferences where we all went and had this great message and You know, it was just so powerful at that time. In that conference, the pastor preached about forgiveness. It's not that he was not preaching about it as I went to the project. He always did. But I feel like I think that was in my time. This was my particular time. And when we were in that conference, the pastor preached about forgiveness and he gave the story of Jesus dying on the cross. When he was bringing out the whole story, to me it was just so perfect it felt like it was my first time to hear that story and he said that when you don't forgive you'll never be forgiven he said that jesus christ was humiliated he was made naked he was all the nasty things were done on him and he was a son of god who had never sinned the bible says jesus had no sin But the people who killed him didn't even see that. They didn't even realize that. But even at the cross when he died, before he died, he said he forgave them. And he also asked his father to forgive them. Then the pastor turned to us and said, who are you not to forgive? I felt like he was speaking directly to me, asking me, why aren't you forgiving? That's when I said, I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I'm forgiving the people I've been holding so much in my heart. And when he made the altar call, I just walked straight. I remember I was the first to even stand up to go and surrender my life to Jesus Christ because I didn't want to keep that sin of unforgiveness within me. And when I I gave my life to Jesus Christ that day, I remember it was 1997. I gave my life to Jesus Christ and that's the decision I have never regretted.
0: Wow, that is beautiful and powerful because it is clearly only through God's power that He could empower you to forgive such Mm. grievous sins. How did God then continue to change the trajectory of your life?
1: God did lots of things, and He brought compassion in my life. He used compassion itself to change my story and change everything at that time. God gave me the best people. And I should say, and I'll say it again, these were my sponsors. Those are people I can never forget. He brought these two people in my life. It was a couple, Jeff and Bonnie Mori. And these people loved me so much. They always wrote letters to me of encouragement. Those words they always say to me, We love you, we believe in you, you will make it. Those were like the most precious assets they ever gave to me in my life. I needed those words as a child. And also, God helped me to know who he is through compassion. I wouldn't have known Jesus Christ. I wouldn't have known the love of God for me if it wasn't for compassion. And I always thank compassion for that. I wouldn't have had that opportunity to know that actually God is there, God loves me, and he exists. So God used compassion itself to change that around. And also through compassion to change everything in my family, who we were suffering so much. My brothers had all dropped out of school. We always got kicked out of the house. We always, like life was not good at all. And that time compassion stepped in and helped my mom and they gave her some some income to start up her own business and that business changed everything in my family because at that time we were able to pay our house rent on time uh, at least we could afford two meals in a day at least my brothers could now go back to school because we had all dropped out of school and it brought a lot of opportunities in my family which I can never forget and I always say that it's God because if it wasn't for him I wouldn't even have I wouldn't even have had the opportunity to go to compassion
0: and just to clarify the reason your older siblings were not in school or why they were able to drop out and you were not because you were with compassion at that time compassion's age capped at 10 years old is that correct yeah and yet it still was able to benefit and bless your family in different ways and then the brothers were able to go back into school through compassion's help with your mom but then i'm also curious if none of you had been to church and you were the first one then who was introduced to jesus christ were you able to share that with your family
1: Yes, and actually, it's so amazing. Every time I went to the project and came back home, I always told the story. How it all started and how it all unfolded. Like, everything that happened at the project. And one thing I always want to thank my mom for is that even if we didn't have that much, there was a lot of love in our family. That my mom always made sure that we sit together every evening when we're having our dinner. All of us. And after having our dinner, she could ask, what happened? How did your day go? How how did it go? And that's when we could all tell our stories. And that's the time I always got an opportunity to share with my family what had happened at the project. And I could tell them the songs, and then i teach them the songs, and we could sing together. And I could also tell them about the scriptures because it was mandatory at the project to memorize certain scriptures. So we could memorize scriptures, and I could come back home and and share them with my family, and we could go through them together. And then as time went by, my brother that I follow I mean, started loving so much coming to the church, even if it wasn't a project child. And he could come there just to listen to the songs because they were so nice. He loved singing. And he could come there. And then later on, my mother too enjoyed the song. And before I knew it, she started coming to church. And then as time went by, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. And that was because of compassion. She started coming to the same church where the project was. And that's where she started coming to pray from.
0: Yeah, Wow, this is amazing just to hear the unfolding. And then eventually, how did you meet your husband?
1: My husband was a a university professor at the university where I went, and that is Uganda Christian University. And he taught me in my second year and half of my third year. So after my school, after my third year, when I was done with school, He came to me and started talking to me, and we became friends. And then later on, after a year, he proposed to me, and then we got married. Yes.
0: That's amazing. Okay, so he was your professor, and then after the final exams, that's when the relationship could change.
1: Yes, and you know one thing that he always tells me? He always tells me, Nora, one thing you should never, ever forget is compassion, you know what? I wouldn't have met you if it wasn't for compassion.
0: <laughs> and it's amazing. And then what were you studying while you were at university?
1: I was studying social work and social administration. And actually, when I was growing up and seeing the situation in my community, I wanted to come back and, and just give back to my community. So even when I was choosing a course, I wanted a course that was in line with working with people and also working with children. So after doing my degree, I always looked for jobs in organizations that were in areas of children child development and all that. And yeah, I got an opportunity. Actually, Compassion gave me an opportunity in one of their projects that was just starting up. And I was the project director there for five years. So I got the opportunity to advocate for children in so many ways. I also got a chance to register children. And this time it was different because I could walk door to door. I knew most of the children in the community. I could go door to door and then we could register children. Children could come to the project. And just that time made me remember how I was at that time. I remember the need I was in. And then I look at these children. I started seeing myself in these children. And it was so amazing because I then started seeing the change in these children. And I remembered myself that time. And I actually remember every time we had devotions, I could tell them, I was also a compassionate child. Don't give up. Because there are so many children who who could come to me crying for, for so many things that I also cried about as a child. And I would tell them I was a compassion child, and that gave them too much encouragement that even up to today, even when I'm not there, they still write to me and tell me, "We know we are going to make it because you always told us we will make it, you will just like us,
0: yeah, That's incredible to hear it come full circle with both compassion and then. Just what you were saying, growing up not having many role models, and now here you become a role model for those in neighboring communities. So you've certainly had unique life experiences. I'm just wondering, is there any scripture that really is meaningful to you as you think about you personally caring so much about advocating for children and the marginalized?
1: Yeah. And that scripture is the first scripture that I memorized when I joined Compassion. That is Jeremiah 29, 11, That says, I alone know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to bring you a future and a great hope. That scripture means a lot to me. I have so many scriptures that I can always talk about. But that one, I grew up with that particular scripture, and that always gave me hope. I knew that God had good plans for me, and until those good plans are manifested in me, God can never let His hand off me.
0: And now a brief message from our sponsor. With over 1,600 apartment units available, and with every price range covered, you will have plenty of options when you rent through Lehman Property Management Company. They have townhomes, duplexes, studios, and garden style options located in many areas throughout Pekin. In Peoria, a historic downtown location and apartments adjacent to the OSF Medical Center provide excellent choices. Check out their brand new luxury property in Peoria Heights overlooking the boutique shops and fine dining on Prospect. And in Morton, they offer a variety of apartment homes with garages, a hot downtown location, and now a brand new high-end complex near Idlewood Park. Their beautiful, spacious apartments with private garages and a quiet but convenient location await you in Washington. And if you're looking in Canton, don't miss Village Square Apartments stop by their website at midwestshelters.com Nora, you've been through so much. Mm-hmm. How do you think that these hardships made you strong and resilient rather than bitter and despondent?
1: What I went through helped me love God the more and also realize how much God loved me. And also always thinking about the scriptures especially that scripture, like I said, it was my first scripture that I memorized. I always had hope. And I knew that if God is for me, he will lead me through. I decided to keep the hope alive in me than losing it because I knew where I was going was bright. And also having people around me who used to say positive things to me, like I said about Jeff and Bonnie Mori, my sponsors, All those words together, they gave me the strength not to give up, to know that actually if this door has not yet opened, it's going to open. It doesn't mean that when it's closed, it's completely closed. So that kept me so strong. And also one thing I always say to myself was my story shouldn't determine who I am. No, I might be a poor child, but that doesn't determine who I am. So I kept my hope, I kept my head raised high, and I knew my tomorrow was bright, just like the scriptures told me, that He has good plans for me.
0: Amen to that. And you brought up Jeff and Bonnie now a few times, and you do such a good job honoring them. Have you ever been able to meet face-to-face?
1: No. And I'm actually looking for them, and it's my prayer that they are part of the people who are going to be listening to this podcast. Jeff and Bonnie Maury, wherever you are, your child, Nora Birongi, is looking for you. I just want to say thank you to them. I just want to meet them and even show them to my children because I always tell my children about them. So I'm looking for them. I've never seen them. I only have each of them.
0: Well, yes, Lord, may it be. May Jeff and Bonnie be able to be introduced through Nora. If you would see fit through this podcast, that would be such a miracle. So we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Nora, you mentioned then children as well. So now we know how you've met your husband and how many children are in your family.
1: We have three children, two boys and one girl.
0: Two boys and one girl. And will you tell us more about how your past then impacted the way you and your husband are presently raising those three children?
1: You know how my story has been. Raising our children, me and my husband, we've decided to always be there in their lives, to be available as much as we can. Like I said in my story that one thing I learned from my mother was her sitting with us. And even if we didn't have that much, the love that I saw in my family was really so precious. I always remembered how we sat in our small family and then all the love would be there, how we could share and all that. That's something that I've also introduced in our family where we sit with our children. We talk about everything and everything. And also growing up and seeing how my children are growing up definitely is totally different. And I always have always told them that always know that you're very privileged because this is not what I I grew up in. You can have like even three pairs of shoes I never had. I only had a shoe when Compassion bought that for me. I mean, I tried to compare myself and show them how life can be the other side. Fine, you have this good life here, but also remember there are people out there who are totally different from you. And in that, we've taught our children, first of all, to put God first. And that takes me back to the scripture that I always love sharing with so many parents. The scripture in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, which says, "That train a child the way they should go so that when they grow up, they never depart from it. We have taught our children, and we are doing it, and we try our best to make sure that we raise them in the fear of the Lord, because that's the best gift I can ever give to my children, for them to know Jesus Christ and to know him deeply is my desire for them. And also, looking at how I grew up, we try to tell them to always be appreciative for even the little they have, because, again, you can't have everything. What you have should just be enough for you and appreciate that, because There's so many people who even desire to have the little you have, but they don't have it. So we teach them to be so appreciative and also to be so compassionate. Being compassionate is very, very, very key. And that's something we tell them. And I have seen my children express this. Sometimes when we are driving and there is somebody who is begging at the side of the road, I hear my children tell me, Mommy, don't you have some dollars to give her? Oh, don't you have some money to give them? And I'm like, oh, wow. They feel compassionate. And sometimes there was a time we were going to Uganda to visit our parents. And we went shopping. And my son told me. He got so many things and he was putting them in the cart. And I'm like, you're not even looking at the sizes. Who are you taking this to? He said, oh, you're taking this to those children in Uganda who are less privileged. That really touched my heart. And I knew that, oh. So my child knows that it's very important to be compassionate. And I use that because I always tell them about compassion. And I tell them that those people are so compassionate to me. My sponsors were so compassionate to me that they gave what they had to me, even though they had not seen me. They only saw me in a picture, but they loved me. So we always teach them to grow that way. And I can see they're really, they're really, like they try. Like, that's what I've said even in the scripture. The scripture says in Proverbs. So when we, that's what we've tried to do, and we are trying to do it, and we shall keep doing it.
0: You sound like such a faithful and wise mother to those children. I'm just curious, too, what does your day-to-day look like now? Oh, day-to-day?
1: So when I wake up very early in the morning, I usually wake up at six. Right now, children are having virtual classes. So, I wake up, wake them up, make breakfast as they brush and then get their clothes on. They take their breakfast, they get into their classes. And then I have a four-year-old who needs most of my attention because she also has virtual classes. I have to sit there, guide her, try to be to be there just in case she has a question or that. And when we are done with that, we have our lunch after lunch. the, The boys still have their classes. And then for me, I have some time with my daughter because I also do part of homeschooling. Um, If they are off school, I take some time to, to go through some of the things maybe they have not gone through or some of the things they've gone through, but maybe she's still struggling. Then after that, in the evening when kids are done with school, I let them go play with their friends. And then I also have some time with my husband because now he also works from home. We have some time together. Then in the evening, we have our time together where we all pray together. We all talk about what happened in the day. And every Sunday, we have a concert. I hope you come to the house one day.
0: (laughs) Oh, I would love that. (laughs) We have a concert
1: every Sunday where our children, they're free to either sing or dance or give a speech. And my second born is so good at research. He's just seven years, but he likes reading. So he does research on every person and then he comes and reads out to me and tells me this year so-and-so was this. So that's what we usually do.
0: Oh, well, and you have to be careful with your invitation because our family, we all love people. And so if we're ever traveling, you may <laughs> just have us over for that. Yeah, I great having you. <laughs> we also love people. <laughs> we did skip one part then of your story because You now live in the United States. So when was that choice made to move over to the United States?
1: My husband got an opportunity to get a job here, and that was in 2013. And it was a family job. That's when we all moved here. So we came for a job.
0: It's been a few years now. How has that transition been for all of you?
1: In the beginning, it was really so hard, very, very hard, because
0: I had left
1: a job I loved so much. And then also, the culture here is quite different from the culture back home. Also, the culture of raising children here is totally different from the culture back home. It was so difficult. but. Uh, Later on, by the grace of God, we had to embrace... With my husband, it was kind of easy. But for me, it's me who had really challenges. But by the grace of God, we embraced the new culture. We embraced everything. and, And now here we are. We are happy and doing great.
0: We love our audience. You are the friendliest people. And if you ever have questions, or if you want to become a sponsor, or you would like to learn more about becoming a patron, Please reach out to us in an email sent to infothesavvysauce.com. You can also connect with us on social media at thesavvysauce. What differences do you see in parenting?
1: In parenting, an
0: African
1: mother and an American mother are totally different. Just like an American dad and an African dad, they're totally different. Now, from where I come from in Uganda, A child is communally brought up. Like, it's the community that raises a child. I realized that here it was totally different. You have your child, that's your child. It's you and your child. Nobody has, like, nobody has any business with your child. It was kind of difficult, but at the same time, very good. Because for me as a child growing up, I always felt so unsafe to be left to a neighbor by my parent, and for them it's okay to leave me with a neighbor or to just leave me with other kids playing and then they go do things thinking that they'll come back and I'll be safe. I always thought that something bad was going to happen to me. But then here, it was so good because I have my children. I'm always with them. I know what happens. I'm always with them. There is no thing like, I'll leave my child to the neighbor because, again, they're not even there. And also they have their own responsibilities. So those are kind of the differences I saw, but at the same time, I realized they were very good. And also, I realized that here, the way of disciplining a child here in America is totally different from the way we were disciplined back home. And the way we we're disciplined back home, they call it a harsh way. <laughs> and here it is, I actually learned so much about Raising a child and disciplining a child here. It's not about spanking a child like they do in Africa because they do that. So here it taught me that you can just sit with a child and talk to them. They'll understand and they'll do what you want to do. You don't need to put those any harsh, you know, any harsh rules or anything on them. They'll still understand. So those are kind of the differences that we have in raising children there and here. But again, I put them together and I try to to raise my children the way I want them to be, putting all things together from where I come from and then here.
0: I think that's really helpful to hear how different cultures approach things in a different way. Also, then just in general, what were some other cultural differences that you especially noticed right after you moved to the United States
1: mm-hmm. no it was to do with my with my husband In Uganda a husband like the bible says the man is the head of the home so in Uganda it's totally different whereby your husband will come back home he's tired that's what we have back home he's tired he would Go and maybe watch TV, read newspapers, will not have time for the kids. I mean, I'm not talking bad about them, but that's the truth. That's the culture there. And it's you, the mom, who, you know, know everything about the child. Take this, do this, and do that. But when we moved here, it was so good because, again, my husband now learned how to take care of a child or a baby, like even changing diapers. He didn't know those things back then. He did not know anything. It's me and the, the nannies who are helping out. So when he came here, he started, he's been so supportive, which I don't think would have been the case the other side, because, again, the other side at home, we have people who come and take care of things at home, and, you know, you can just give them, Some of them are even family members, which is not the case here. So with that, it helped my husband to, to come into the gap and also know that he actually has to play a very big role and which he has really played because he takes care of the kids. He changes, he used to change the diapers when they were young. He, he could bathe them. Like he does everything that I should do and everything that I do as a mother which wouldn't have been the case the other side which which I really appreciate so much and sometimes I tell my brothers that you guys you have to do what you have to change and and try to to support your, your spouses
0: wow thank you for sharing that's really enlightening to hear so many differences i just think that your perspective is so valuable nora So what do you want us to be aware of specifically as it relates to poverty and vulnerability?
1: One thing I want you to know about is that poverty is real. It destroys a home. It destroys hope. It can actually destroy a future, somebody's future. It can. I was in that kind of life. I saw how poverty destroyed my family, and I saw how poverty destroyed the hope that I had and destroyed it completely, together with my brothers. Poverty is the worst thing that somebody can ever go through. It's real. That's what I can say.
0: Absolutely. You've lived it and come through it with the love and compassion of others, Is there anything else that we haven't covered yet that you would like to discuss during our time together?
1: You have listened to my story and heard what I went through. Just imagine and know that there are so many children out there who are going through what I went through, or even worse than what I went through, the children who are orphans and have lost both parents. They have nobody to even just tell them, we love you. We believe in you. You're going to make it. And that child is just out there waiting for somebody to just say those, just those few words to them and they'll keep them going. And also know that there are children out there who long to go back to school. You know, as a child, you dream. I asked my children and actually today my son was telling me that, mommy, I want to be a pastor. I want to be a doctor. I want to play wrestling. I want to be a superstar. I'm like, I want to be all those things. So children can dream. They can dream to be doctors. They can dream to be, like, lots of things. And imagine children out there, where I grew up from, and all over the world, children out there have stopped to dream. Their dreams have been shattered because they have no help. They have no hope. They have no body Like poverty has started to define who they are. And you could be out there, and you're that person who can come out and help this child by picking them up and bringing all this hope to them, by telling them you love them, by telling them they'll make it, by praying for them. You are that person. And I'd like to encourage you, whoever is there and can just pick a child and sponsor in Compassion. That would be the greatest gift you have given to that child. And also, I want to to take this same opportunity to thank Jeff and Bonnie Morris. I know I've said it, but these are people I can talk about like a thousand times in my statement. I love you so much, and I appreciate you. Thank you for the sacrifice you made for me. And I'm here because of you. God bless you.
0: It's humbling to hear you honor your sponsors. And hearing your story today, Nora, motivates me to invite others to make a global impact as well. I know that I learned about compassion through my husband, who is actually sponsoring a child way before he and I ever met. And we've personally trusted compassion for years. And we love their goal to release children from poverty in Jesus name. If anyone isn't familiar yet with Compassion, they take child protection very seriously. And so they don't give you the address of the child who you're sponsoring, but they do facilitate the communication, like Nora was mentioning, through letter writing, either in the mail or online. And this has been a tangible way our daughters have been able to participate in ministering to another child who lives across the world. So we've actually partnered with Compassion, and if anyone listening wants to sponsor a child, here are two easy ways to learn more and sign up. So first, you can go to Compassion.com slash the Savvy Sauce, or if you prefer to use your phone, you can just text the word Savvy, S-A-V-V-Y, to 83393. So again, that's compassion.com slash the Savvy Sauce, or text the word SAVVY to 83393. And then as a thank you, the team at Compassion has generously offered to send all new sponsors a copy of this book entitled Shrewd Samaritan, Faith, Economics, and the Road to Loving Our Global Neighbor. So I do hope that many people are going to sign up today. And Nora, I hope that they step into this invitation to make a difference in a child's life, just like somebody did for you so many years ago. But as we wind down our time together, I just want to remind you we're called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge. And so as my final question for you today, what is your Savvy Sauce? My Savvy Sauce
1: is? continuing
0: advocating for children that is well said and Nora you are so resilient you're so kind you're so full of compassion yourself and it really was an honor just to hear you share more of your life with all of us today so thank you very much for being my guest
1: thank you to Laura and thanks for the opportunity
0: you've given me one more thing before you go Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news, and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so he cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a savior. But God loved us so much, he made a way for his only son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans ten nine says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him you get the opportunity to live your life for Him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We wanna celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged.